Welcome to Prayer and Practice, musicians releasing musical gifts into the church. This podcast is meant to help those who serve in the worship ministry of their churches. And now your host, Kyle Lanier. Hello, everybody. It's uh, Kyle here, and uh, we're back with episode five, and I'm really excited about this episode because today we're going to uh, talk some more about David, and we're actually going to look at um, how he treated the, uh, the responsibility of bringing the presence of God back into Jerusalem. Um, so this is, we're going to fast forward from David the shepherd boy into uh, taking a look at David as king uh, and providing a little bit of context about his life. And then we're also going to take a look at, um, at David's heart and his passion for God and some of his great triumphs as well as uh, some of his uh, mistakes that he made in bringing God's presence back to where it belongs. So, you know, some some really great things occurred and, you know, and David also had some mess ups that we're going to kind of explore here today in today's episode. Um, So David's legacy, we're going to just kind of begin with that. It it can be found and quoted from Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And here's what it says. It says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So that's where we're going to kind of begin and take a look at the life of David. And we're going to jump back in here uh, and just begin to explore that. Okay, so who was who was David? Let's let's first off let's start with uh, the origins of David. Uh, they, those can be found in First Samuel chapter sixteen, um, and we're not going to talk in depth about um, about David's uh, origins, but we are going to give you a little bit of context. Uh, first off, he had very humble beginnings as the uh, son of a shepherd. He was the youngest of his brothers. Um, he was anointed by uh, by the prophet Samuel to become king of Israel after Saul, and he would he would become a very powerful warrior uh, and and leader um, of of Israel. So uh, so just a. A little bit of, of background here now as we move into uh, you know kind of fast forward into to David as king and and bringing the uh, the the Ark of the Covenant back. Um, so uh, the first thing, as you if if you if you listen to our, our our previous episode, you know we talked about how the Ark of the Covenant was the center of the Tabernacle of Moses, and so um, being the being the center of it it was found in the holy of holies because it was the resting place of the presence of god this is where the uh the priest would sanctify themselves and they would go you know into uh the very center place behind this big huge veil and and minister before the lord and that's where his presence was re- would rest is on this mercy seat uh that that covered the uh the ark um so we read in first samuel chapter five that um that the ark was captured by the philistines and it was moved into uh one of their pagan god temples uh, the, the temple of Dagon. Um, and so during the course of this time, while the ark was uh, in captivity with the Philistines, um, God rained down plagues upon them. And so they decided that they were going to return it to the Israelites um, to alleviate that. Um, 
you know, and, and so you, again, you can read that, that whole story uh, in First Samuel 5. And so the way that they do this is they take two, two cows, uh, you know, two uh, you know, bulls, and they, they set this uh, cart behind them and put this Ark of the Covenant, this, this holy article from the temple, the very thing that God's presence rests on, um, sits on this cart. And, and so they just kind of shoo it on its way. And if we read on, we see that uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, that the, uh, the cart uh, comes to uh, this place called Kiriath-Jerim uh, by way of Beth Shemesh. Um, and the people of Beth Shemesh actually sent it on to the people of Kiriath-Jerim uh, to uh, a, a man named Abinadab. Um, this, this cart with the ark on it comes to rest uh, in, his, in his care. And so he, uh, obviously being a man of God and understanding the word of God, anoints his son, Eleazar, uh, as, a, as a, a priest to, to guard and to steward this ark um, uh, for a period of around 20 years, as we see in Scripture. And so it's at that point, uh, as we read later in 2 Samuel chapter 6, uh, David is now king. And so he, just in his own understanding of how the Philistines return the ark, builds his own cart to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. Um, and, and man, David, he, he brings out the entourage to celebrate and rejoice at the uh, return of the ark uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, you can, you could just see that, that his, you know, there, there's an excitement about, obviously, man, you know, the, the very presence of God is returning to, uh, to his people. And so that's a, that's a great thing to get excited about and to rejoice about. Um, but I, but I want to kind of begin to shift gears a little bit here because an event begins to unfold that David did not foresee in all of his passion and excitement to restore the presence of God to Israel. So as this cart's moving along, you know, it's kind of bumping and bouncing. And so one of David's men, Uzzah, he reaches out to steady the cart from dropping, um, from dropping the ark. And immediately the moment he touches it, uh, he is killed instantly um, because he has touched the presence of God. Uh, and, you know, and no one uh, at that time could could be around the presence of God uh, with without uh, doing just that, because God is holy. God is righteous. And, you know, and our, our sinly nature can't be uh, in in his presence. That's why in Old Testament times there was a priest to go minister um, and to make atonement and to intercede for the people. Um so David becomes afraid and he's very perplexed that he's not going to be able to get the ark back to Jerusalem. Obviously, you could see that that would probably lead to some frustration on his part um, and, you know, uh, even some anger. And ultimately, what it leads to uh, is, is uh, as we're going to see, it's going to lead to some offense. So they leave the ark with this uh, very righteous holy man named Obed-Edom. Um, and during the time the, the ark is just simply resting at Obed-Edom's house, uh, Obed-Edom and his family are blessed. So what do we need to understand um, about this uh, this situation? Just as I began to describe, first thing, God's presence is holy above all else. The number one thing we need to get from Uzzah's situation is that it was, you know, we could read that and, and begin to understand it as, you know, well, he was just trying to do a good thing, you know, but good things are not always God things. And I want you to understand that Uzzah's act demonstrates a comfort with the presence of God that actually was out of order according to the design of how his presence should be treated. 
So think about how, how this ark was set up originally in its original design. It was in the very center of the tabernacle, okay, and it was behind, it was veiled. And the only person who got to go was the priest who, if you read in Levitical law, the, the sanctification process that these priests had to go through was intense, okay? And we're actually, later on, uh, down down the road here, uh, several episodes from now, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about what that process looked like. Um, but but the main thing you need to get is that this 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 was a, a basically an irreverential act. Okay, so Uzzah Uzzah committed a a, a sin really, um, and that he he thought it was okay just to reach out and steady this box rather than understand that that was the very presence of God. Okay. Um, the second thing I really want you to draw out is that we cannot steward God's presence according to what we or our culture may deem as acceptable. Now, you know, when we read that, we could, we could very easily ourselves, you know, make the assumption that Uzzah was not in the wrong and we would be wrong to, to assume that because in our mind, we're, we're, we're thinking with an earthly mind going, well, he's just trying to steady the presence of God. Yes, but he was not ordained to do so. He was not sanctified to do so. It was it was out of order. Uh, the thing I want to help you understand is that you know uh, we could deem that as acceptable. Our culture could deem that as acceptable. But in God's word at that time in the Old Testament, there was an order that he set aside one person, the, the, the high priest, to go in and minister and intercede. That was the law. That was the process that, that we had to use to access his presence. Okay. Um, and so the connection I want to make is that, you know, our passion, our talent, our gifting, and even our anointing, as well as great ideas are no match for the word of God. So having an understanding of the word of God helps us to understand how to correctly steward his presence. It's not about our great idea. It's not about any of the passion, talent, or gift of the things we just mentioned. It's not about that. It's not even about how other people might deem it necessary to do. You know, the Philistines represent a specific culture, and the idea there is that they stewarded the presence of God by putting it on a cart. That was nowhere near how God wanted uh, his, his presence uh stewarded or, or, and taken care of. And so we must understand that even if the culture deems it a good idea, that's all it is, is a good idea. It's not necessarily something that is from God. It's not something that he has necessarily ordained. And that's why we have to study. That's why we have to, to learn um, and, and read his word, because all of those things are no match for understanding the word of God. The third thing I want you to, to know is that failure to know his word and understand how to steward worship appropriately can lead others into irreverent acts that could cost them their soul or lives, just as it did Uzzah, you know, as as leaders, um, we are we are stewarding people as well as the presence of God, and we must be good stewards with that. And so, it it really speaks to the responsibility that we have each week when we uh, get in front of our congregations or in front of our teams at rehearsals or uh, you know for maybe monthly team gatherings or whatever how that works in in your specific situation. Um, we need to we need to understand the the responsibility that we carry so that we don't cost others their lives so that we don't cost others uh the the just the the sheer chance that we might lead them in an irreverent act of worship um and help them become too comfortable 
with what God has uh, done. He's, you know, he's given us his presence and we certainly want to enjoy it and we want to be around it and be passionate about it and, and, and express ourselves before him. But we also need to understand that he's holy, you know, and that we don't need to be too comfortable in his presence. We need to respect his presence. That's, that's the reality of it. So, um, so David became offended with God and would not approach the ark for a period of three months. However, it was during this time that David took time to read the word of God and he learned. So what what did David learn in his three months of study and preparation? He learned how to steward the ark or the presence of God correctly. So if you read in 2 Samuel chapter 6, 12 through 23, you'll find the story of David having his men carry the ark on the necessary poles, as well as what everyone else was supposed to, to wear and, and the sacrifices that were supposed to be made. And, and David, can, you know, he even continues now that he's, he's studied and, and he's learned that, you know, this is, this is the correct way, according to scripture, this is how I should uh, according to Levitical law, this is how we handle the presence of God. And so now, you know, he's got the he's he's got this wisdom and this understanding because he took time to study and read uh, the law and to read the word. And so now he he comes back with music and dancing and great shouts of joy. So so how did he do this? You know how how did he accomplish this? Well, the first thing is that rather than staying in this place of offense, David repented. All right. Um, after he after he read about the tabernacle of Moses, you know, you can you can see the shift from where he was after the death of Uzzah into this place. Um, he's 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 overcome that offense. You know, he, he's realized his his sin and his error. He's repented. Um, and we can see that his approach is much different now and that the results are that he successfully restores the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. So here here are just a few uh, key points that um, that I just I want to draw out. First off, we we can't neglect the importance of daily devotion to the reading of God's Word, the Bible. Nor can we uh, neglect daily devotion to prayer as well as personal times of worship away from the platform. I want you to get that. You know, I I just really think it's so important to learn the lesson that when when we are in worship ministry it's it's a platform ministry yes but worship begins away from the platform the platform is just simply the overflow um, of what you have put in to that personal time with God and I know it sounds so simple but it really is that simple it begins right there David restored the ark because he studied and he learned how to honor God and how to honor his presence. He, he took away from that moment with Uzzah when he lost somebody. That's what it took to, to kind of shake David. And I just pray for you and I that it doesn't take that to shake us and wake us up to help us to understand that, that God is a holy God. And that if we're going to serve his people in, in, in such a public uh, way, that it requires the necessary study and devotion 
to to understand how to steward his presence well and it and and you know honestly when we do that we connect with him relationally you know and spiritually and so what what ends up happening out of that there's an overflow of that expression you know the the things that we encounter in our personal times that's what begins to overflow from that from that platform um you know the things that he speaks to us personally you know uh will we'll also begin to develop into oh this this also connects to the body because he's not going to do anything separate in our lives that he's not going to accomplish in the body and that's what we need to understand um is that you know when we when we give time and attention to prayer and to our personal worship times and our devotion times and and just you know times of of reading his word and just meditating on it and and praying through it and even putting our name in it and putting a personal spin on it that's when we we cultivate that relationship with him and that's what ends up becoming our worship on the platform and we'll call it that because that's that's the overflow of of that um the second thing is that david overcame offense that resulted because of Uzzah's death. You know, let's not let's not even, you know, pull any punches with this. It hurts to lose people. You know, I've lost people, um, you know, as far as worship teams go and ministry, friends, I, you know, personal relationship, that sort of thing. We've all, we've all, some way or shape or form, we've all lost people and it hurts, man. It, it does wound. Um, and when we're talking about worship ministry, we're talking about church ministry, ministry in general, it's painful to lose people. And it can harbor offense in our heart if we don't uh, reflect on those situations. Um, you know, not always is it, you know, our fault that, that we lost those people per se, because, you know, things happen. Um, we're dealing with people. So nobody's, nobody's going to do it perfectly all the time. Nobody's going to do it perfectly uh, any of the time, really. We're, we're always going to make mistakes, and that's why we have to humble ourselves one to another, uh, confess our sins one to another. Um, but the the reality is is that what do you do after the loss do you sit here and harbor it and just sit on it um because let's i mean let's be honest for three months david kind of sat on it and in that three month time period he made a choice he said i can sit here and be upset about it or i can take action to do something about it and so he took action um and you know it, it I have no doubt that there were questions going through his mind. We can question God and his motives during times like these. It's, it's, it's challenging. But when we, we can work out our offenses with repentance, as David did, we can successfully restore the presence of God to our hearts, just like he did to Jerusalem. And that's the point. Offense will overtake us. It will ruin us if we allow it to take root. And we cannot allow it to take root because what we do, worship leader, pastor, um, team member, what we do is so important week after week. You know, we are literally uh, priests ministering before the Lord, interceding for the people. And we have to overcome offense. We have to overcome offense with one another. We have to overcome offense with, you know, things that have happened to us. We have to get the healing we need through accountability, to leadership, through godly counsel, through all, through all the different platforms that are available to us in our modern day society to receive healing from that, you know, as well as take the time personally to pray through it and allow the Holy Spirit to speak truth into our lives um it, it it's it's not fun you know i myself have been have been offended and hurt before um and it took it took those things i just named you know to to overcome that and so i definitely want to uh want to help you understand that it's not easy to overcome 
It's not, but it can be done if we're willing to humble ourselves and walk through it. Okay, And what the result is, is when we overcome offense, when we take the time to study and to learn, what ends up happening is that God begins to take over in our hearts. His presence is restored because we remove the offense. All right. And and the last thing is that even when you do bring God's presence, <laughs> even when you do steward his presence and you've you've studied and you've shown yourself approved and you're you're doing it and, and here he is, inevitably you're going to offend others, and it may even be those closest to you. If you read on in this passage of the restoration of the ark to Jerusalem, David is just dancing and just he has lost absolute control of himself because he is just so elated with the presence of God, even to the point where like he's dancing literally out of his clothes and his own wife, Michael, becomes offended with his actions. His own wife, as David is worshiping and bringing the very presence of God back into the city, uh, offense enters Michael's heart, and it, and and she's wounded. You know. Now here's here's the thing. David David's heart was healed. This is why he could he could respond in such a joyful way, and he was restored. But he caught severe criticism from the one person who should have been rejoicing right alongside with him. When God desires to move through you, there will be those who want to stop God's presence in your life, but we have to respond compassionately as David did and worship all the more. What did David say? If you read that passage, he, he, he says, I'll become even more undignified than this before the Lord because David realized the precious thing that had been restored to, to God's people. He, he realized what an honor and a privilege it was, and he was just celebrating, man, because that's what needed to be done in that situation. It wasn't a time of mourning. It wasn't a time of lamenting. It was a time of absolute rejoicing because the presence had been restored. And what, and, and what should we take from that as well is that when the presence of God shows up, it doesn't matter what's around me. It doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter who I'm going to, to offend you know, with my response to the presence of God. What matters is that I respond to the presence of God. So as we uh, as we close out uh, this podcast, I sh- uh, you know just like I, I'll usually do, I just want to take some time to pray for you. So the first thing um, I just want to pray about is let's let's ask God for a greater love for His Word and a deeper revelation of who He is through our times of seeking Him in His Word. Um, let's also ask Him to give us a holy reverential fear and respect of His presence, so that we can steward it correctly. Um, let's ask Him to forgive us if we've offended. Uh, him or, or if we've been offended with him rather and then let's ask him to help us to worship extravagantly even when we face opposition so just right there wherever you're listening to this podcast let's just kind of get our hearts prepared to enter into his presence lord jesus we come before you we ask you first off god to just simply forgive us of any sin that would separate us from from you god we ask you to just wash us in the blood of jesus right now and lord we ask you first god for a greater love for your word and a deeper revelation of who you are through our times of seeking you 
in your word, God. Speak to us through your word. Reveal yourself through your through your word, God. Help us to relate to you even more deeply through your word, God. Give us a love for your word, God. Help us to speak your word and to write your word, God, um, and to sing your word, Lord. God, give us a holy reverential fear and respect for your presence so that we steward your presence correctly, Lord, in our own personal lives and as we lead our congregations each week, God. We just thank you for that. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, God, if we've been offended with you. We repent right now of offense of ways that we've been offended by you, Lord, or or towards you, rather, God. We just uh, forgive us, God. Wash that away right now, Lord, Father, and, and just restore it, God, with your presence. Lord, restore it. Help us to, to have understanding and wisdom of, of how to steward your presence correctly, Lord. And we thank you. And, Lord, if there's anyone we need to go and ask forgiveness of, Lord, um, help us to do that. God, if we've offended our brother in some way, help us to ask for forgiveness in that way, Lord. And lastly, God, help us to worship extravagantly. Even in the midst of opposition, help us to become even more undignified in our worship, God. Help us to just worship you extravagantly, Lord. Help us to overflow with your presence, Lord, because of the personal times that we encounter you, Lord. And make those make those those daily personal times of devotion even more intense, God. I pray for the release of that over these worshipers that are listening uh, to this uh, to to this uh, episode today, God. And I bless them, and I thank you for pouring out into their congregations, Lord, through their lives. I thank you that you have created powerful worshipers in this time, God, for such a time as this that are going to lift your name up, and not only lift your name up powerfully, God, but live wholeheartedly for your name. And so, God, we thank you for the release of that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to say thanks so much for uh, for joining us uh, in our next uh, podcast episode. We're going to be talking about how David established the presence of God in Jerusalem and exactly what that looked like. Um, so I'm really excited to talk some more about David and and how the presence of God just uh, you know just became involved in the city of Jerusalem there and in and in the the daily lives of uh, of of the the people of Israel. Hey, if you would like to connect more uh, with me, feel free to email me at at brassfire365 at gmail.com. You can connect with me on Facebook at Bryle, B-R-Y-L-E, Lanier, L-A-N-I-E-R. That is a combination of my wife, Brett, and my name. We are creative like that. Yep. Or you can connect with us on Instagram at brassfire365. Uh, you can also find us on Anchor FM at anchor.fm forward slash prayer and practice. So bless you all as you pray and practice and release your musical gifts into your your churches. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Prayer and Practice. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. And remember, worship like you mean it. 